welcome again. Welcome, everyone. Exciting to uh, be in the part, be in the family of God. How many are glad to know that you're in the part of the family of God today? And you know, uh, I love to preach about the, the things of the church because I believe that's the Lord's heartbeat. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about denomination. I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, organization. I'm talking, I'm talking about believers, true believers across our world and that belong to Jesus. That's the real church. That's the true church. We are part of that through Jesus Christ. Paul spent his uh, at least uh, majority, majority of his life uh, risking his life for the gospel. It didn't start out that way. And how many know it's not how you start out, it's how you finish? Amen. Amen? So whatever is in the past is in the past. We can put it behind you. And we only have what's in front of us. We only have what's going to, you know, take place in the next days, months, years. Should the Lord tarry, how long, whoever that may be. It can't be much longer, but the way things are going. But he, he said, be faithful, be found faithful. And see, Jesus is coming back for one thing. And that's he's coming back for his people. He's coming back for his church. And that's you and I through Jesus Christ today. And so our, our, our whole, our purpose of belonging to Christ is to be a part of his body. And so I've, I've chosen to start a study at, at least at the beginning in the book of Ephesians because I believe that's one of the prime uh, uh, Bible chapters and uh, subject material books in the Bible that we can learn Jesus' heartbeat for the church. See, I'm convinced that God made the family first, and then he, in, he instituted, he, he brought us up to understand that we are belong to the family of God. So the family unit needs to continue with the Lord's help. The Lord helps us build a family, helps us to raise children, to love children, to love grandchildren, and on it goes, to help them to make a decision. We can't make it for them. Everyone has to make their own decisions whether to follow Christ or not. But I, am believe, I believe with all my heart, if mom and dad serve the Lord, I think somewhere along the line, children are going to, maybe, maybe they won't right away. Maybe they'll start. Maybe they'll fall. Well, we, we don't know. Some, some fly. Some take a while to get there. But I'm convinced they'll have a better shot at life when they've had a role model or they have some people praying and they know that they're, you know, they know where to go when they get in trouble. Some of you are nodding your heads. Appreciate that. You know, the church is that which Satan has, is trying to distract or discourage or cause disunity if he can. He wants to attack the body of Christ. He wants to drag a few off. He wants to attack leadership. And so we understand there's a big battle going on in the spiritual realm. But let's not be afraid. Jesus has given us a reason and a purpose. He saved us for this purpose that we might spend all eternity with him. 
but not only ourselves, that he might bring whole entire families into the kingdom of God. That he would bring entire family, believe on the Lord and you shall be saved in your household. And so I believe, I believe with all my heart today that we have a sure foundation in which we can build a home on Jesus Christ. That, to mean that, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, is it? If we lived in a perfect world, we'd be all perfect. And we wouldn't need the Savior. Right? So, I'm going to read a few verses in chapter 1 because it's quite intriguing to me that this idea of the church was not an afterthought. This idea of the Lord coming to sacrifice his life was not a plan B. Because we read in the passages that are set before us in chapter 1, Paul begins by addressing himself as an apostle of Christ, verse 1, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. There's that word again. What is it that Jesus wants to say to us on that day? Well done, thou good and faithful. Thou good and faithful. Often he says you've you were faithful with a few things. I will give you charge of many things. And so we read on, blessed be the God, verse 2, and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that verse alone, we should be able to spend a long time and just listing all the blessings of being able to name the name of the Lord as your Savior. If he doesn't do one more thing for us, he's already done enough for us through his sacrifice on the cross, through his preparation for you and I to inherit heaven above. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Notice, he chose us in Christ before the foundation, before the world was created, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Now let me help you. I've read that verse over and over and over and over, those verses. Does that mean then that he only chooses those whom he wants to choose? No doesn't mean that. I don't believe it means that. But God to love the world that he gave his son, whosoever should believeth in him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come. What is it saying? I believe it's saying this. That God predestined all those who come to Christ, all those who understand their need for Christ, will be, they are predestined to become sons. In other words, God gives you and I a free will, a choice in the matter. He doesn't force us to, becoming, to become his son or daughter. He wins us over. He demonstrates an unconditional love to us. He sometimes 
disciplines us so that we will have more of his holiness. I believe that Jesus is still saying to you and I and people across our community, whosoever believeth in me should not perish. There is hope for lost people. There's good news yet for lost people who have yet to come to know Christ as a real, as a real, it's sealed. It's like the verses that are going to come talks about the Holy Spirit. It's a done deal. The Holy Spirit lives within you. That's not to ever say that we can walk away. I believe we can walk away from God. But God goes out of his way to win us back, to bring us back, and he disciplines us. If we have, if we have people in our lives that we, we're questioning about, we're wondering if they're ready, one of the things we can do is in the verses to come is to be in prayer that their eyes of their heart will be open. That no one can make a decision for anyone else. Everyone has to make their own decisions to say yes to Jesus. And when you do that, you are doing the greatest thing, the greatest blessing that there ever will be is to know that Jesus Christ is in your heart. And to have that assurance that you know that you're walking with God, you know that sometimes it just feels like all the uncertainties are coming at us. And we're maybe even afraid to bring children into this world. But I believe God wants us to keep bringing children into this world. And if we don't have children, or if we've had children, and we, we know we're past a season, we can look for other children in the church, in the community, that we can reach out to. And this whole idea that we mentioned in verse 5, that word adoption, unbelievably, uh, a term that speaks to taking someone to become your own, uh, as if, if they were your own flesh and blood. That, that adoption has a strong meaning when it comes to Christ and he, he reconciling us to himself. He becoming the, 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 the penalty and the payment. The, the, in, in essence, he paid the price for our adoption. And we are just as much the children of God as a nation of Israel, which was first we know in Scripture, God chose Israel because they were small. And I want to say something to that effect. Small churches don't mean they're bad churches. Small churches, as long as they are healthy, can make a difference. Small, there are more small churches, if you would add up all the churches combined in, in, in the nation around the world, mega churches, you know, are great. We need them. But if you were to take all the small churches, they would outnumber the mega churches. And so don't feel any the less. I believe where two or three gathered together in his name, he's there with us, that we are the church. We are part of the overall bigger picture. 
no matter the size of the church. His church is alive and well today. His church is growing. His church, this is the good news, Jesus is building his church. It isn't going to be one man or one woman or, or these certain individuals who have this gimmick or this little thing over here. It's not going to be just necessarily programs and organization, although we need, we need those things, but it's still the demonstration of the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ comes in to make his home within the heart, that there is things that are, are different because there is a heart transformation that takes place, and there are things that become important to you and I because no, we no longer are serving just ourselves anymore. We're serving a bigger cause. And you begin to live because you belong to his kingdom. And this kingdom is not of this world. And those are the things that Jesus discussed with many people while he was on this earth. That the kingdom of God was among them. The kingdom of God was is so far beyond what the world was seeing. The kingdom of God was more demonstrating helping the poor, helping those who couldn't help themselves. The kingdom of God was not about self. It was about serving those who did not have means to serve themselves. I'm excited for the boutique and the, and the things that this church is putting together to help foster families. You see, that's scriptural that keys in with the scripture that speaks toward helping the orphans, helping the widows, helping those who are in need, taking care of the poor that are around you. It has to do with the word adoption because, in a sense, many families in communities uh, are, are doing it, church families blessing, especially because they have a chance now to introduce them to the gospel. These kids maybe had never had had a chance otherwise, but because of a family that took them in. And see, that's in just the just, that's the essence of the gospel. We were, we were strangers. And we were taken in. We were unable to save ourselves. The good news is that Jesus does the saving. In verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption. The word redeemed has to do with purchasing or buying back. Redemption has to do with bring it, bringing something that was in no way able to fix itself, no way able to be able to fund the debt. The debt was so far out over our heads. We used to sing a chorus way back in the day. He paid a debt I could not pay. I owed a debt I could not pay, rather. He, I needed someone. And so Jesus paid my debt. You know how good that is? That is good news. He not only just he paid our debts, and he didn't, he said, well, I have just enough. He didn't say, well, I just have enough, uh, you know, to get you by. He didn't say, I just have you enough. He says the word in verse, it comes up in verse 8, he lavished 
That word, I don't know what's your translation, but that word lavish is over the top. That word lavish is beyond because Jesus has more than enough. God has more than enough that we have whatever the need is. He has more than enough. Because we're going to see throughout this whole passage of Ephesians that the church, as one who is a head, is the head who is Christ. And see, what, what, what he wants to bring this down to is Jesus wants to be the head of your home. Jesus wants to be the head of your marriage. Jesus wants to be the head of your kids. And you begin to turn that over. You begin to stand. You begin to walk in that kind of, of understanding. It begins to free you up. Because we cannot change people but the power of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, the one who has made a way for us, understanding that it was not some kind of an afterthought. It blows my thinking away because why would God create people knowing they would fall in sin? And that's, that's one of my things I don't understand. But God so as he is, God so love, God so desires for people to know who he is. God wants to share his love with you. You are created for him. You're created with a purpose. Friends, today, sometimes there are days when you moments you may never feel good enough. You may never feel like you have what it takes to please God. You may feel at times where you don't know what you can do to make any kind of a difference. Listen, just love God. He's, he's excited about you. He delights in you. He looks for you to look to him. He wants you to include him in your day by day living. He wants you to bring him with to you the workplace. He wants you to bring him with to the school. He wants you to bring him with into the marketplaces of life because he has many more people. The book of Acts was the beginning of the early church. We know the early church. The book of Acts is full of events, of miracles, that their miracles empowered by the Holy Spirit. These people went out preaching the good news with signs and wonders following them. When there was a miracle that happened, they got a crowd. When there was a healing that took place, there were more people that would respond. But the goal of all that was that the people would hear the message so that they could be saved. God still heals. God still does miracles to get people's attention so they receive the message which brings them to salvation. You see, God sees the bigger picture. God sees us with him. He wants us to be with him for all eternity. This is but a, just a short time period while we're on this earth. And God has so much great plans. In fact, we do not know the half of it. We do not understand. We have a, just a dim, kind of a mirror, uh, kind of reflection. We don't see all, all what's ahead. We know enough that there's something very great. We, we do not want to miss. 
So we read on. It speaks towards the fullness of times in verse 10. Isn't it interesting? That, that phrase, the fullness of times, is also mentioned in Galatians. When Jesus came to the earth, when he was born through the Virgin Mary, the scriptures alludes to the fact that when there was the fullness of times. In other words, God has his timing. God has his purpose and his timing. God's timing is always perfect. As hard as it is for you and I to wait, I don't know about you, isn't it hard to wait sometimes for things that you want to have happen? Or you want to see change, or you would wish that by now you would have a, maybe a little more or a little easier? Life isn't that way, really, isn't necessarily. But here's the deal. God has a way of taking all our lives, pressures and stresses and things and weaknesses, and brings it all together to bring glory and honor to his name so long as we surrender to him. We don't have to carry all the things that God himself could carry, only carry. In fact, Jesus said it something like, my load is light. What do you mean? My yoke is easy. Wait a minute. He said, my yoke, my load. Oh, I don't have to carry that myself. In fact, it's very scriptural when he speaks toward the church that the body is important. In fact, if there's a little member of your body called the ear, right? We like those things, and we like our eyes, and we like our big toes, right? We like all the, you know, as long as they're all working, but when one quits working, we, we notice it, right? It's not as easy anymore. So the body of Christ is 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 being built by the Lord himself so that we can dwell together and minister one to another. So, if I'm not very good at, which I'm not, at tech, I'll admit that, that's okay. There's other people. There's other people in the body that have that. You see, I still operate with a flip phone. See that? With scotch tape to hold the back on. <laughs> How about that? Okay? Just so you know, that's not, I'm not techie. That's, I, I get it. You, if you, you love it, you, you do it. Do it. Make the most out of it. But I still, yeah, I still look in the oak and cordons. And sometimes they get out a magnifying glass. <laughs> now that the eyes aren't what they used to be. Friends, it still comes down to this. It's your heart that Jesus wants to have. It's your heart. You know, we have a lot of things in life that supposedly make our life easier. But we should never become so comfortable that we lose our first love. And we lose our pressing into his, our need is to know him. Our pressing in is to know him. 
is to seek after him, is to hear what he's saying, all oh, that we might hear what he's saying. So if we could only hear what he's saying, we would probably more readily be able to know what the plan is and what to go on and how to purpose our life, prior, prior, prioritize, there's the word, prioritize our days. Jesus isn't out there to hold you over the fire, so to speak. If you don't do this, you're, you know, you're going to just, yeah. No, he's there. He wants us to grow in him so that we can understand our life that is spent here is not in vain. I don't know about you, but there's no greater way to live than with an adventurer's spirit of the Lord. God is at work. God is in his church. God is filtering through the community. God shows up in the workplace because he flows through you as a vessel. God shows up in your thinking. God shows up when you speak to your neighbor and you express love in some way, shape, or form. You see, this is, brings us hope in a hopeless world. A lot of people are, are failing without hope. They're, they're, they're desperate. They're, they're discouraged without hope. And verse 12 says, To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the, to the praise of his glory. Bringing to verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And it's all like a God is saying, you know, I've invested in you. I've given my life for you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And I'm coming back for you. I have placed a down payment. I have I've redeemed you. And now I'm going to come back for you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to leave you behind. He's, he's on your heart. This verse in Isaiah that says he inscribes your name on his hand. He inscribes your name on his hand. He knows your situation. He sees he knows when your heart is burdened. He knows when your heart is broken. He knows when your heart is afraid. He knows when your heart doesn't have the answers. And it's there where he wants you. Sincerely trust him. Sincerely trust him. We were talking today in Sunday School. There are things in the Bible we, we, we read through in the Old Testament, especially, or the New, and we're quite not grasping it all. It's over our heads. You know what? We just keep reading. We keep, we keep going to the passages and believing God there's something or there's, a, there's at least enough that will speak to us that we know there is a God in heaven and we know that, that we're, we are going somewhere. We know that he has provided a way to escape judgment, to escape judgment because God is going to judge this world again. That is in the scriptures. 
as much as I'd like to say it, the world is not necessarily going to get better. The prophet says the revelation that uh, we have studied in Wednesdays. Thank you, Vern, for working so hard to help us understand the scriptures and revelations. But there are many things I don't want to be around here when it gets to the point of the great tribulation. And we believe that the Lord is going to catch his church out, that he's going to snatch us away, that he's coming back for church. And so we speak these words that will give us, it says, talk about these things, encourage one another. Hebrews talks about the assembling of yourselves one together. That is talking about the body of Christ, the church. You're assembling yourselves together and it'll be for a purpose of prayer, be for a purpose of, of, of digging into the word of God. And what I love to see in the fellowship of the church is that very word, the word fellowship, because it's a part of the early church. In the early church, they took their meals and they, they had fellowship. They went from home to home. They, they were listening to the apostles' teachings. They were in prayer and they were fellowshipping. They were connecting. And so many people in our world do not have that blessing or that advantage. They're, in other words, they really don't have a church family. And how empty inside it would be when I think about it. I was fortunate enough to grow up attending church with my family. It was just what we did. And we would pack into an old 66 half-ton pickup. That was just part of our family because we couldn't fit them all in the cab. And we would break the law, I'm sure, to our heads all over in the cab. And some of us would sit on each other. But we'd, we, I'm the youngest of seven. I think we'd get at least four or five kids in there. Mom and dad, or at least mom. Dad always had a lot of farm work growing up. It was in his heart to make Sunday morning. and He had a mink ranch, which demanded his full attention. But it was in his heart, to, I know it was in his heart, but he, if he couldn't make Sunday morning, he tried to make Sunday evening. But see, it was something special when Dad went to church. There was always something special, extra special. It was good. Mom would take us to church. But Dad showed up, I felt something special. Because I felt that he was leading the way. I felt more secure. I felt that if he's seeking after God, then I, I'm going to be a seeker after God. So I speak especially to the dads here today. Let me just encourage you. You may not always know what to say, but it's how you live and your attitude toward the things of God that catch on. That your children catch it from you. Especially when you have a moment and you let your emotions, your tenderness, and dad would have his moments. Dad would have his moments where he would say, I got blessed. And we could see he got blessed. And he would get sighted. And he would speak the things of God. He would, sometimes I could tell God was in him because the way he spoke at the dinner table. 
and he would get kind of giggling a little bit, and he'd get kind of fun. Otherwise, he was really quiet by nature. And then he would say this, I believe I could preach. <laughs> what did he say? What is he meaning by it? He felt the Holy Spirit. He had a brother that was called to preach. Then he understood there are callings. All of us are called, number one, to Christ. Whether he calls you to preach, that's up to him. But our life should preach. In fact, your life will preach. It's the most important message. Because the Jesus that lives in you wants to walk into your circumstances and into your family and into your place of work and bring hope, bring it up another level. Be an encourager. I was with a group of pastors this Monday, last Monday, and one of the pastors, one of our sectional churches is Wakhan, south part of Malax Lake. The pastor there has been there for five years approximately. And he says, you know, we're a small church. We average about 10, 15 on Sunday morning. And I related to that. I related to him. And what he spoke on was this. I've never felt so blessed this is the best section. What he meant is the section in the states or several different sections. This is the best section I've ever been in. I pastored in other states. What he's saying is that it was fun to be in a section where you felt included. You didn't feel belittled because you only had a few. Friends, we're not in competition. It's not about who has the biggest this or that. It's about just serving, being humble, be, being able to hear from God. Being able to, if it touches one person, if it brings someone to Christ, if it points the way, and that's all we can do sometimes is to point the way and people make their own decisions. Don't be discouraged today. Maybe you feel like, your life is just a mundane, you, do the, you eat the same thing, you, go, you, you do the same thing, and a lot of us are saying, yeah, we just seem like they go through the same, the same, the same. Wait a minute. There's a timing in everything. What if God does something very extra special and it's not the same anymore? You're not the same. You read that passage, but it wasn't the same. You, something sparked in you. Something ignited in you. Something came to life in you. And you were able to share that with your friend or your loved one. And then they got excited and they began to believe. You see, this is, I got this picture in my mind. Remember you and a kid, you used to throw the rocks into the lake? <laughs> Did you ever do that, Horton? And, and you saw that ripple? It started small, right? And then the ring got bigger. And the ring got bigger out, and another ring, and it's so it, it branches out. Friends, listen, we never know when a seed planted is going to germinate, come to fruit. Oh, my goodness. We serve a God who sees the big picture. I'm going to try to wrap it up with this. Paul is in prison while he's writing this letter. 
He can't be there in person. Perhaps he's wondering what, what good is it going to do? But little does he realize the very words that he's penning down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was written down for you and I today to read. And for the church to be able to draw from. Do you think God is bigger than us? He is. He's bigger than your problems. He's bigger. In fact, he's so far beyond our comprehension that he had all this in motion and in plan before he creates the world, before the foundation of the world. He says, this is the way it's going to be. All those who choose Christ are predestined to be saved. He predestined those who come to Christ through Jesus Christ. No wonder later in chapter 3 of, the, of Ephesians, to him who is able, to him who is able, I want you to just think about your circumstance right now. And I want you to put in front of it, God is able. Maybe you're facing an impossibility or a very difficult, if the Lord doesn't do something. Listen, not only is he able, but he's exceeding. He does exceeding. He exceeds our expectation. He goes over the top. He lavishes. He's more than enough. I can't think big enough. That's the God. I can't think big enough. That's the God we serve. He chose us. He's redeemed us. He sealed us. And he will someday, the trumpet of the Lord, the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound. The book of Thessalonians describes the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's the call we know as a rapture. You won't find the rapture in the Bible, but the essence is there, the catching away. We are caught up, taken away from this world into the presence of Jesus. He's coming back for the church. I want us to focus. What kind of people then are we to be if we know he's coming? What kind of attitude should I have if I know he's coming? I should then be walking and expecting and looking and wanting and desiring yet with the understanding I've got to tell my friends. I've got to talk to my people. I've got to relay the message. I've got to sound the alarm. How many people are in the world that never really heard this? And so I'm a my invitation is, oh, that we might be ready. And the way to be ready is simply by asking Jesus to come into your heart. I was a young boy, a very small boy, understanding my need for Jesus and praying at a simple altar in a simple little church, in a simple little town, little, little, everything's little. I'm sure if I went back to that same building, that building still stands. 
that I would say, man, this place shrunk. It would seem so little because it was so big when you were children. Remember, remember your house when you were little? It was so big. Everything was so big. At least to me, I go back and, of course, I grew up. I got bigger, but everything got smaller. And see, so what I'm saying is Jesus doesn't care about the size, but he does care about people. Yes, he wants many, many, many people, but let's focus on the Christ the one who's coming back for the church.